Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So for this episode's week one update, we actually have a couple of a little bit of news for y'all. But as of the time of this recording, we were kind of expecting solicits to come out already, but I think they're kind of late this month, so we'll just get to that on the next episode. But the first piece of news, speaking of solicits, was on the cover of Miles Morales' Spider-Man number 36, Gwen can actually be seen on the cover. Yeah, Gwen is on the cover of a thing. And, and I realize we do have Gwen vs. the Horizon, but I looked at that and I thought, Gwen's on a comic, and uh, I don't know if she'll actually be in it. Because there's some other stuff going off on that comic cover, which, which is intriguing, but I don't know whether they'll follow up on that. Do you, do you reckon that uh, Saladin Ahmed plans to bring in Gwen there? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking uh, Miles just might visit Earth-65 for a little bit, or Gwen just makes a little cameo that's not related to Gwenverse. Yeah, for for context, uh, the solicit is promising multiversal adventure for Miles, and the cover shows uh, Gwen, um, Marvel Zombies, um, and a few characters from the Ultimate Universe, which uh, they play around with every now and then in those comics, um, as well as another dude in... That's Cowboy T'Challa from Exiles. Oh, that's really cool. Well... Yeah, so so Miles is running the gamut there. It's not like a Gwen arc or anything, but we thought it was interesting. So Gwen may or may not be appearing in the Miles comic. Don't know whether that's a good thing. Don't know whether that's a bad thing. Don't know whether or not Saladin Ahmed read Gwen versus Carnage, but let's see. Um, let's see what happens there. That'll be interesting. And in other news, uh, the Hugos were just this past weekend, and as y'all know, as we kept mentioning it several times, Dog Days Are Over was up for a Hugo. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't win. That's only the bad news. But the good news is it made second place in its category. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive that it was nominated for the Hugos. Like, I'm surprised, and I stand this comic, that it got nominated for a Hugo. But the fact that it made it to second place is, yeah. Good, good for Ghost Spider. Good for Gwen. Um, I'm thinking, does the second place finishing warrant Marvel to give the character back to Maguire? I think a Hugo nomination means that Maguire should get at least another five issues of Ghost Spider. Honestly, she should have had that to finish off whatever she was doing in Gwen versus Carnage. But um, I pray, as she said in her interview with us, that all her toys are left in the right place in the sandbox for when. Uh, for whenever she gets her hands back on the character again um because yeah they were left stuff stuff was left in an interesting place back then and i i think the hugos is a big especially getting runner-up is a big vouching gwen's favor and you know i'm pleased for the character like, like when you messaged me about it i was like that's cool you know that's good like seeing runner-up like obviously not great that she that, that, that gwen lost that she didn't get it but um but 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 the runner-up is is still you know, very good for for any Marvel comic, really, because they don't really win at the Hugo's at all. Yeah, because I was worried about Dog Days Are Over being placed dead last, but to make second place, now mm. I'm hoping for a revival, hopefully by Maguire, or if they want to use someone else, here's me pushing my Clay McLeod Chapman agenda again. Frill, frill. Marvel, we are knocking on your headquarters doors. Please, please give Ghost Spider a comic. <laughs> Well, you mean an ongoing, because technically she is getting one. 
Okay, okay, I hear that. I hear that. Give give Ghost Spider a proper comic. Give give her a comic where she's not doing the the, the, the gimmick thing and and it's not a miniseries. Do that do that thing. Do that thing. I I the moment I get the thing I want, I ask for more. I'm terrible. I'm 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 terrible. You hear that Marvel? Give Ghost Spider an ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. But uh should we move into our main event? Yes. Yes. So We've been doing side appearances of Spider-Gwen since we finished our read-through of her solo run. Uh, we are now reviewing Clone Conspiracy, um, and chronologically, we're placing this where we place in this after Web Warriors, which we've been doing because it does reference the events of Web Warriors. Um, but um, as as we're sticking to with a lot of these side appearances, we are insisting, even if issues were released afterwards, that this occurs before Spider-Women, because to contemplate a lot of this stuff happening after Spider-Women, with all the stuff that occurs in the Spider-Gwen comics after Spider-Women, is too complicated. We're going with the pre-Spider-Women status quo. Uh, Gwen has not lost her powers. She's running about with her powers normally. Um, she's bouncing around the multiverse normally with no problem. She isn't working for Matt Murdock or anybody. She's not got the Venom symbiote. She's not using the power boosts. Things. It's, it's the pre sort of the normal status quo Spider Gwen. Um, that's how we read these. Yeah, because it makes the most sense because in this in these appearances, she's not angry nor depressed, and she's still super powered. Yeah, I mean she she's clearly got stuff going on, I think, but but yeah, she's not she's not at the level of angst that we see in the Spider-Women stuff. So yeah, it's uh yeah, she's 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 doing she's doing okay and uh, that's even with Dan Slott writing her. So, yeah. But yeah, this event was written by uh well, Dan Slott for the entirety of it, but for the ASM tie-ins, he had help from Christos Gage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Slott uh, wrote this during his very short tenure as uh, on the Amazing Spider-Man comics, uh, which was I think it was about it was about a century century long. Is that right? Well, ten years. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was I was about that right. So 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 Dan Slott is the architect of the Clone Conspiracy event. Essentially, everybody's everybody's coming back from the dead. Um, they're clones, and there's a conspiracy. Um, and, and we're going to find out about it. This is another clone saga. There's been a bunch of clone sagas in the Spider-Man comics. Um, there's been clone sagas as long as Gwen Stacy's been dead, because clone sagas are essentially just ways to bring back Gwen Stacy. That's, that's, that's their utility, uh, 90% of the time in Spider-Man comics. Um, and this is no different. And, uh, that's what happens here. Um, among other things, um, and I'm, I sound cynical and I sound negative. I actually do like the way that Gwen is written in this event. And we're going to get into that. And, um, what, what else can I say about it? Um, Oh, oh, this also ties in with, uh, Silk by Robbie Thompson and Prowler, but we're not going to be looking at those this week because Gwen's not in it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to look at any Silk issues, right? No. We're looking at Prowler number five. There's a bit of Gwen in that. Yeah, she's in there for a considerable amount of time, but that's going to be next week's read. Yeah, I like the Prowler tie-in. It had issues, but I like the Prowler tie-in. In fact, there's a lot there's a lot to like about the Clone Conspiracy, even with all its flaws. I actually have the big collected edition in front of me right now. I managed to find it cheapish. Um, and uh, it's got every issue from the event from across all the different Spider comics that were going on at the time. And And, you know, I like it. It's one of my nicer nicer looking things that sit on my shelf oh and we also have to mention that um jim chung he drew the whole main event oh yeah uh jim chung gets hate for the the jim chung face because all of the characters that he draws have the same face but i just want to say 
Then everything else he draws is extremely good. I really enjoy his art. I'm sorry, I'm a sucker for Jim Chung art. And, and Giuseppe Camoncoli on the Amazing Spider-Man comics. I'm enjoying all of the art here. I'm having a good time with it. I'm, 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 it's, it's all very detailed and very dynamic. And it's just, there's just something about the aesthetic of all the new you stuff that I enjoy. Um, and, and there's some just absolutely gorgeous, sexy covers. Uh, is, is it Alex Ross? I think he did everything. Alex Ross is out here doing his best work on a dance lot event. And, and, you know, you, you want better for him, but also at the same time, he's doing some good, some really good covers. And, and I, and I just, if you don't read the clone conspiracy, if you just listen to this podcast episode, which don't do, please, please go read today's issues. Um, but, but if you don't, um, do Google right now on your phone, the clone conspiracy covers for each of these issues, because they are just they are so good. They they are just a joy to look at, um, uh, and 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 I, I I enjoy just flicking through my comic here, just looking at each of the covers. Should we move on to our, our synopsis before we get derailed? Yeah, before I derail our podcast any further um, by rambling about the clone conspiracy, we're gonna we're gonna do a synopsis. Um, this is a very dense comic. This is a very long synopsis. We're only doing the first. Uh, I guess we're doing the first six issues of what we've allocated um, for the clone conspiracy. And that's uh, amazing Spider-Man numbers 20 to 22 and clone conspiracy numbers one to three. That's what we're reading. And we're reading them in chronological order. So it's going clone conspiracy one, amazing Spider-Man 20 clone conspiracy two, amazing Spider-Man 21, et cetera, et cetera. um, Until we we sort of finish. And then we're going to read sort of, we'll we'll say what we're reading next week, but we'll read the back half of that. Um, We'll do a part two to this episode. Um, If you want to read the clone conspiracy, if you haven't yet, please do so that you're on the same page as us, so that you understand what we're talking about more fully. Um, although the synopsis is here for you to jog your memory, or if you haven't read it, um, use Marvel Unlimited. Find the collected edition um, if you want to get a collected edition, um, or um, I don't know how else can you read it, or buy it on Comicsology. I think it's probably all on Comicsology. Um, yeah, we'll we'll leave links in the description on the best way. Uh, on, on our reading list, but there's also a little bit at the end on, on the best ways to, to read comic books in uh, 2021. Is that everything? Yep. It's like legal ways to read comic books in 2021. <laughs> yeah, we should say that legally. <laughs> there are easier ways, but they are not legal and they are not nice ways. So uh, we don't talk about those. Um, yeah, so uh, oh, I'm, I'm beginning. I'm beginning. So Clone Conspiracy number one, uh, we're starting... The Parker and Jameson families mourn the death of J. Jameson Sr., the father of J. Jonah Jameson and husband of May Parker. Peter draws the ire of Jonah, who blames Peter for his father's death. Despite having the means to use New Year's powerful new medical methods to restore his health, the senior Jameson opted out after Peter talked him out of it, skeptical of the mysterious new medical corporation. After the funeral disperses, Anna Maria Marconi, a friend of Peter's, approaches him, figuring he needs someone to talk to. Peter explains that he signed off on new use technology for one of his workers at Parker Industries, and while it seemed to be a total success in recovery, Peter's spider sense goes off full blast whenever he is near the purportedly healthy man. Based on that instinct, when it came time for Jameson Sr. to receive health care, he advised against it. 
Anna Maria proposes they visit the affected worker there to begin finding out the questions that Peter's spider sense was raising. However, he is not home after an incident that New Yu is attempting to cover up where the worker didn't take his New Yu medication for a weekend and suffered serious cellular degradation. The family was hesitant to speak about it initially for fear of New Yu not even returning the old man from his recovery in their San Francisco headquarters. That's exactly where Spider-Man heads next, sneaking into the elaborate New You facility to figure out what's happened. Peter walks around the Eerie Lab only to find a fully intact and alive nervous system floating in a tank instead of his employee. The door opens to reveal Miles Warren, who is frustrated to see Peter and immediately calls security. The Rhino and the new Electro, Francine Fry, come barreling down the corridor to fight Peter, who quickly puts together that this whole situation is a cloning lab. Spidey dodges their attacks and breaks into the building's plumbing, launching a blast of water that shorts out Electro and electrocutes Rhino caught in the current. Peter goes to pursue Miles Warren before being confronted by none other than a returned Gwen Stacy. She does not trigger his spider sense, leaving Peter shocked. Could this be a real, resurrected Gwen Stacy? Before he can ponder the question any further, Dr. Octopus knocks out Peter in a surprise attack. This is the same comic, but included there's a B story about uh, what happened during the night Gwen Stacy died. It's it's actually called The Night I Died. Yes. Yeah, so so instead of it being a sort of like a third person thing, it's a first person thing. Yeah, Gwen's remembering um, the last thing that happened right before she died on the bridge. Right. Right, so... Gwen Stacy sits in her apartment conflicted over her relationship with Peter and his recurring absences before being pounced upon by the Green Goblin looking for Spider-Man. Despite Peter not being there, he is more than happy to take Gwen in his stead. She tries to fend him off to no avail as he puts her to sleep with knockout gas, declaring her a thing that he shall use to finally destroy Spider-Man. Gwen wakes up on the bridge but is still paralyzed from the gas. From the back and forth between Goblin and Spider-Man, she soon realizes her boyfriend's secret identity. She weeps, still resenting Spider-Man's role in her father's death, and feels betrayed by Peter. He tries to come to her aid and save her from the Goblin's clutches, but he throws her off the side of the bridge. As she falls, Gwen thinks about how this isn't fair. She doesn't deserve this. She is kind to her family and friends. She led a good life. The web line goes taut and everything goes black. Um, yeah, so I insert discourse about whether or not Pete killed Gwen or Goblin killed Gwen. Uh, but the panel here says snap where she dies. Um, so just, just FYI. And then continuing on, says Gwen wakes up. Uh, in the new you cloning facility and is greeted by the jackal reclining at a dinner table, pouring himself some tea. He brings Gwen up to speed on her life and deaths. She expresses concern that she might be a clone to which the jackal insists that she isn't, that this isn't cloning, but is reanimation. He also shows the pill that makes all this possible, a new you medication that keeps the clone state stable. Gwen expresses some skepticism about the Jackal's game, but he asks that she join him as a business partner even. He shows her around more of the new U facility, but she is still unsure. At this point, he brings out the resurrected Captain Stacy, and the father and daughter have an emotional reunion. Gwen takes the pill now. The Jackal smiles. Dun, dun, dun. So going back to the main comic chronology now... Also, Octavius keeps Peter locked into a cold embrace with his robotic limbs while he gloats about his return from the dead once more. 
We flash back to how Otto came to be here at New Year after his stint as the superior Spider-Man. After the fight during the Spider-Verse event on Loomworld, Otto stored his mind inside his 2099 tech-enhanced Octobot from where he was able to start searching for a new body. He starts by looking for the remains of his original body to get the genetic material that he needs, but finds that an organized black market grave robbing operation had already got to it first. He arranges for it to be bought by New Yu who are surprised to find grave robbers at their doorstep, but oblige and go through the transaction anyway. Otto has knowledge of what New Yu can do with the cloning tech, and is hoping that their acquisition of his body will result in them making a new one for him. They go through with the process, with the Jackal explaining to his scientists how New Yu not only produces a restored, fully healthy, genetic copy of the original body, but uses the psychic imprints of the dead individual's memories and persona right up until the moment of death. Otto panics, though, realizing that the imprint left on these remains were that of Peter Parker's after they had initially brain-swapped. Otto is forced to act and reveal himself. The little Octobot jumps into the vat where the new body is being grown and attaches to the back of the clone's head. In order to get control of this new body, Otto has to fight the Peter Parker imprint left inside. The two engage in a mental struggle which Otto wins. Dr. Octopus emerges from the vats, newly restored and victorious. He comments on how he is not sure whether or not he is a clone, to which the Jackal offers an answer. New Yu has come into possession of Dr. Octopus's old arms. The powerful robot AI would lobotomize anyone but the real Doc Ock, and so when they activate and reattach to Otto, it is proven. The Jackal explains how his clones have to use New Yu's pills to stay alive, an insurance policy that keeps him in control. Otto counters this, though, saying that it's not a feature of New Yu's cloning, but a flaw in its process. He offers to help Jackal perfect his cloning process, and the two become allies. Kane, the Scarlet Spider, is plagued by dreams of hordes of zombies chasing after him before he is rudely awoken by a nagging voice. He stirs and delivers food to a hostage in the corner who emphasizes the need for their medication and fear of what will happen without it. Cut to Spidey fighting Auk. Otto reveals that he isn't just another clone but has the restored memories and consciousness of the superior Spider-Man up to and including the end of Spider-Verse, eventually convincing Peter with his knowledge of his life and actions. Furthermore, he quickly counters all of Spidey's new gadgets that he's invented since then, having kept tabs on Peter while he was still trapped in a robot. The Jackal steps in and cuts the fight short, attempting to call a truce, and so the two arch-rivals reluctantly acquiesce and cease fighting. Peter is confused as he is so clearly outmatched here, but Jackal insists they're not the bad guys, and he wants to prove it to Pete. He offers him a tour around the facility. Jackal explains his new cloning process and initiative, but Peter is upset at seeing the many villains being brought back. Jackal insists that there's more to this plan, and Gwen vouches for him. Peter is further shocked to find several of his dead allies brought back too. Captain Stacy, Jean DeWolf, Dr. Kafka, and Prowler all show up and vouch for New Yu. By bringing the villains back, they take their blood off Peter's hands and they believe that they can put them to good use, particularly with the chemical leash that the New Yu pill puts them on. The pitch is cut off by Captain Stacy, though, who accuses Gwen of being a fake and pulls his gun out, demanding she talk. Gwen knocks him back, revealing that she isn't a clone of Gwen 616, but is in fact the spider-powered Gwen Stacy of Earth-65 in disguise. She asks Spidey if he wants to escape and he obliges. The two get out through the vents. 
Gwen takes a call from Kane, the two having apparently been working together, and he states his hostages need for more new U pills. Peter says that they have some over at Horizon Labs that he sent to them with Anna Maria to study. There, Kane turns up with his hostage, the actual clone of Gwen 616 that Gwen 65 had covertly replaced to spy on new U. The Horizon employees take her back to their lab while Anna Maria talks to Kane. She notes that Kane and Gwen haven't looped Peter in on this plan and is confused by this. Kane explains that they first noticed New You causing catastrophes on Earths in other realities. Every time it goes to hell is because of Peter Parker's direct involvement with New You and Parker Industries technology. In a flashback, Karn the Master Weaver recaps the life and death of Kane during his time as the other. Kane emerges alive and well from the other's corpse and is greeted by Karn, much to his confusion. As Karn weaves new clothes for Kane, he notices that Kane is beginning to suffer from cellular decay and tells him he can never go home again. Kane protests, arguing he should get back to his team, the New Warriors, but Karn reassures him, using the web of life and destiny to show his friend's recovery. Khan proceeds to show Kane a devastated world, the latter recognizing its inhabitants as carrions, people spreading cellular decay. Kane proposes that he explore the infected realities to find a cure, suspecting himself to be infected. Weeks later, Kane travels to these worlds to collect tissue samples and attempt to pinpoint the virus's origin to no avail. He returns to Loom World to study the samples, and Karn asks if they should consult the web warriors, Pavatir, Prabhakar, Spider India in particular. Kane shoots down his idea, not wanting the others to get infected. As Kane lurks around the base looking for supplies, he is subdued by Gwen, questioning his presence. He tells her that his cells are decaying, and advises her not to tell anyone and to stay away from him. Gwen agrees to the former, but rejects the latter, telling Kane he needs her help. Gwen asks if he found any leads to which Kane affirms while holding a Parker Industries jacket. The common thread is that the virus always starts in a city with Parker Industries. In a Parker Industries building on an alternate San Francisco, Gwen and Kay spy on that reality's Miles Warren, Gwen expressing her disgust of him as Kane explains his history. Warren wants to destroy the carry-ons, but the alternate Peter enters the lab, arguing that they can still cure the carry-ons. However, generators fail and the carry-ons break out of their stasis pods. Amidst the chaos, Gwen and Kane steal Warren and Peter's research folder and are confronted by an alternate Kane. Gwen tries to web up Alt-Kane, but he breaks free and attempts to kill Kane. Before he can deal a fatal blow, Alt-Kane suddenly dies from his decay, his counterpart and Gwen taking his body back to Loomworld to study. Through extensive testing, Kane finds out that he's not contagious after all, much to Gwen's joy as she reassures him that they'll figure out how the virus started in the first place. Weeks later, Gwen and Kane are informed by Karn that the virus is starting to rear its head on Earth-616 and the two spiders start to formulate a plan. They go to New Yu headquarters and kidnap the clone of Gwen-616 so that Gwen-65 can impersonate her. Gwen65 asks Kane if he's sure they shouldn't involve Peter, Kane responding that in the other realities, Peter is always in the deep end. Gwen and Kane can't trust anyone but each other. As Gwen departs, Kane recalls Khan calling him out and keeping a secret from him and Gwen. It turns out that Kane will die from his condition soon, and doesn't want Gwen to worry as he claims there is no saving him. Gwen enters wearing her counterpart's clothes as she asks Kane if they are ready to save the world, to which he affirms. 
The lizard pursues Peter and Gwen through the vents so the two spiders stop to dispatch him in short order. The two talk a bit in between running and fighting. It's clear that Peter is a bit peeved with Gwen dropping by Earth-616 so frequently without ever saying hi to him, citing her standing brunch with Spider-Woman Jessica Drew. The resurrected supervillains and allies of Peter fan out in a coordinated manhunt for the two spiders. At Horizon Labs, Kane explains how the carry-on virus works, and the need for new you resurrected to always take their pills, to Anna Maria and the other scientists there. Upon seeing his condition, they say that his resistance to the infection could help the team with finding a cure to the virus altogether. Anna Maria decides to call the local police to inform them about the conspiracy at New U. Her call ends up going to a police chief already in the pocket of New U, and even worse, Gwen Stacy manages to shout out while the call was going on, alerting them to her position. Jackal is informed in short order, and he dispatches Electro and Rhino to deal with the situation. From New U, Jackal continues to direct its operations, pushing powerful individuals to give his corporation less government oversight and wider reach, particularly Jameson and his Fact Channel. By holding out on resurrecting his father, Jackal is able to get Jameson to say and do everything he needs for his PR efforts. Meanwhile, Otto continues work on creating the next generation of clones free from cellular degradation, producing a proto-clone. He encourages Jackal to kill Spider-Man outright so they can enslave him with New U pills too, but Jackal insists he wants Peter to come willingly. At Horizon, Rhino and Electro take down Kane, retrieve Gwen Stacy, capture Kane, and take Anna Maria back with them to help with studying the New U clone flaws. Peter and Gwen arrive too late. Peter persists in communicating his frustrations about having been told none of Gwen and Kane's activities with New U. Gwen eventually relents and tells him that in the other realities that Kane explored, Peter switched sides to the jackal to which he vehemently denies that he would do. Kingpin arrives and offers information regarding the jackal's operation, hoping that Spider-Man will take down the villain after he clones several members of his own family. Peter decides to chase down the Kingpin's lead, which details how the jackal will be meeting with the grave robbers soon. Gwen thinks it's a bad idea, though, as they still need to find Kane and Anna Maria. At the meeting with the grave robbers, Jackal prepares to accept new remains for him to clone, but Peter disrupts it violently, webbing down the criminals. Jackal dodges the attacks, though, even deftly matching Peter in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Peter expresses confusion as to how the Jackal could have gotten so strong as he removes the mask. The Jackal is no Miles Warren, but is in fact Ben Riley, and he has a plan that he wants Peter's help with, to bring back Uncle Ben. Dun, dun, dun. Peter is furious with Ben, not believing it's the real him, and starts punching again. Ben stops using spider sense and continues to try to appeal to Peter's desire to bring Ben back, but he only stops when he sees Ben weeping. Pete realizes that this is indeed Ben. We flash back to how this all came to be. After Ben's death back in the day, Miles Warren enters the scene and collects what remained of him after he dissolved into goo. Ben later wakes up in Warren's lab, bewildered about how he's still alive. Warren is amazed that Ben remembered his death, musing that his new cloning process was a success. However, he notices Ben's cellular decay and attempts to bypass it by electrocuting him to death. Ben is revived by Warren again, who expresses excitement that his process can be repeated, but annoyance with Ben's continued cellular decay. Leads Warren to drown him, this time to gather more data. After this death, 
and subsequent revival, Warren kills and revives Ben 23 more times in an effort to solve his cellular decay issue. After the 25th death and revival, Ben breaks free from his tube in a fit of rage and renders Warren unconscious. Instead of killing him, Ben places Warren in a cloning tube, telling him that he is a clone. Warren expresses disbelief until he sees other Warren clones, Ben having forgotten who's the original, and tells him to take the pill if he's unsure about being a clone. With the Miles Warren dupes all under his control, needing his pills, Ben suits up as the new Jackal, starting new you and beginning the work of cloning those who he felt responsibility for, thus bringing us up to speed with how he came to be here in front of Peter. Ben reasserts his desire to bring back everyone if they can and fix all the times they've failed. He makes the same plea for Peter's assistance, emphasizing that surely the deceased inv- individuals deserve a new chance. Peter is conflicted, but eventually relents, asking Ben to tell him more. And that's part one of the amazing Spider-Man the Clone Conspiracy. Yeah, even though it might sound dense, well, actually it is, but it's still pretty big for Ben, Peter, and to an extent to Gwen and Kane. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's, it's a lot of scope to this event. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff going off. Um, yeah. Um, so, like, uh, this, who sh- sh- should we talk about carrots first? Which carrots should we talk about first? I think we should think about, like, the star of our show, Gwen. The star of our show. Yeah. Um, right. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. So, um, like, I didn't know. Like, I remember first reading this. I did not know that Gwen 65 was in this comic I was fully surprised by uh, the page reveal where it, where it's actually Spider Gwen, um, and yeah, proceeded to enjoy the comic a lot more from that point out. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, she's there's this thing which happens right where writers will use Gwen but not really know her very well, so they will just use her hyper competently. Like she'll just be really good at everything, and I'm completely fine with this. Um, I, I I love this version of Gwen, who's like a perfect sort of master of disguise, um, uh, until her own father figures her out, I guess, um, and then uh, proceeds to just just to go on being this sort of extreme ally to everybody who's around her. Because, well, in fairness, like uh, she would be the same age that six one six Gwen died. They would both be nineteen, so they would look alike. But um, when I was looking through the art, I think. Um, although this might just be me, that uh, Jim Chung drew Gwen 65 a little bit differently than Clone Gwen. Yeah, I, I always felt like Clone Gwen in this, because she's got like this big businessy partner role, she feels older. Like She does not feel like she is 19, 20, early 20s even. She feels older than that. Like She feels like she's more on par with Pete and his age. Which was also obviously more, it would be a more comfortable thing to think as well, um, with with them obviously having um, romantic history and stuff. But yeah, like it is also possible, like like her and all the other clones are essentially frozen in time from the moment they die, so they've missed out on all that extra aging, which Pete and the others have had who've remained alive. So it's kind of like being blipped. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. She's sort of she's, but but yeah, that essentially means she's what like a twenty year old um, girl boss over a new you. Um, Sort of, sort of going around uh, running this sort of company for for the jackal um which is yeah strange um yeah uh what's up with 
<laughs> but like but when Gwen was acting like her clone even like in and out of her costume like would you say that um like since it's not Latour and Costa writing her because Latour like she's angry Costa she's way too happy and uh here with uh Dan Slott and to an extent Christos Gage like she's more like um level-headed yeah, like you get the sense that she's a lot, uh, she's a lot cooler. Not necessarily cool, cool, but as in like emotionally speaking, uh, she doesn't express like stuff in the same way. She's more reserved with her sort of uh, interactions with the other characters um, in these very, very tense situations. Um, she does, of course, uh, she does have like a few really nice moments. I think with Kane. Um, I wonder if there was some point where Dan Slott was trying to set up Kane and Gwen sixty five, and then somebody went, "Hey, age gap," and he had to like not do that. Um, because he gives them like a lot of like very specific like one-on-one time together uh, in this um, and uh, but yeah like it's a nice friendship uh, what ended up being written uh, between the two but but overall um, she's very very sort of reserved with a lot of these characters obviously to be a sort of to disguise and pretend and all of that but also um, with Peter 616 whom she she doesn't open up to at all at any point not even in this part in the next part she's very much not doing that i think it's because uh, she's still trying to deal with the death of her own peter parker she is there's a, there's a little bit of a pivot i guess from the last time that slot was writing these two where they have that like nice moment in spider verse that everybody's always taking out of context and and sticking on the timeline it is a nice moment to be fair but this is slot that writing them again and he's decided actually they are not friends anymore. Um, and you get that impression from all of their interactions here. And remember that dark sense of humor that Gwen had when the lizard was trying to track them down? That, like, it's kind of weird that, um, because on her earth, Pete was the lizard. Yeah, yeah, she's just kind of, she's just kind of spitballing there. She's kind of, like, throwing out thoughts. And, and Pete's clearly not impressed. He's, he's not wanting to, <laughs> he's not wanting to think about it because obviously, I guess the reality. Is is it's not it's just it's not very fun to think about maybe like you would think that Gwen would suffer some sort of PTSD from having to face a monstrous lizard and then Peter's just right next to her but she's keeping her reservedness pretty well yeah yeah as um yeah it was it was it wasn't a fun interaction they don't they don't communicate well uh Pete six one six and Gwen sixty five in this um which which seems just as well perhaps given given all the circumstances of everything. And did you catch like um, uh, when Gwen told Pete that she's not a clone, that there could have been a slight annoyed inflection because of the emphasis on the not? I I got the impression that like at that point in the story, she was trying to hint as to her true nature to him. I don't know if she was annoyed as so much as she was sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm not, I'm not Gwen six one six. Sort of. I I don't know if it was more like that. Because remember earlier, although I'm thinking that this could have been to keep her cover when uh, a Spidey called uh, Gwen and Auk like knockoffs, she was like, hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. She didn't like being called a clone. I, I, she just she just didn't. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're on something there. Although I'm thinking that I think I'm thinking that's just because it's to keep her cover from being blown. But um, in yeah. some sort of sense, since uh, in Peter's eyes she's not the real Gwen Stacy to him. No, I, and I think um, she struggles. Yeah, I think, I think they both struggle with that a lot. And it does take them, I think it takes them until the Spider-Geddon event 
for them to really get past that um, for Maguire to start writing them. I'm guessing this is why Gwen seems so much closer to Kane than she does to Peter. I think it's because of their shared inferiority complex because, you know, Kane's the clone of Peter, but Peter doesn't really treat him as a brother or like an actual human being. Well, they're both angstier versions of their original sort of selves. Like, Kane is is to Peter what, like, Gwen 65 is to Gwen 616, I guess, in modern comics. They've they've brought back this character in a sort of half sort of way that's sort of like... I, I Maybe not maybe not one-to-one, that comparison, I'm thinking about it, but, but they have a similar vibe, right? Yeah, like, cause now I get why people want to ship Gwen and Kane together, although with the age gap, if you want to get technical about it... Yeah, I, I, I just uh, I think I think it's a really good idea to keep Gwen sixty five away from Peter Parker uh, at least romantically, at, at at the very minimum romantically. I don't mind him showing up in her comics occasionally, but in most circumstances, um, there needs to be a healthy separation there for a number of reasons. One, writers do strange stuff, and they love to censor Peter Parker in strange ways, and secondly because that romance gets really really awkward uh, the more you think about it and the more existential and i don't i don't know if they are, they have the writing chops or sort of will to really get into the nitty-gritty of what that would imply but um but speaking on the uh, writing territory um when she and kane were spying on miles warren you would think that later in the ghost spider comics that she'd remember who miles warren was or what he looks like I, that would make sense, but I think it's just more likely that nobody told Sean and Maguire that Gwen Stacy was in the Clown Conspiracy comic. Like, and I, like she just hadn't read this one Amazing Spider-Man event, and because of that, it it throws it throws a whole arc askew. Because it, um, it's like it's either like Maguire didn't remember, or the Jackal's transformations when he took the serum maybe slightly changed his facial structure. But remember when um. Uh, Gwen told Kane to remind her to never take his class. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, she she doesn't. Well, well, she doesn't, she, but she attends the university that he teaches at. Yeah, she she should recognize it. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I I just in my head, I'm head canoning it. Uh, Miles Warren in the Dark Days Are Over arc, like you say, is is having some element of his face is disguised so that people around don't immediately recognize him, you know, as that dude who who did some crimes and stuff. Um, because cause at some point you'd think somebody in New York would, would go past Miles Warren and go, hey, didn't I see your mugshot or something for something? Because surely people must know the Jackal's identity, right? Like, that's not a secret. Um, so, so that's why he has the different name and everything, right? So, yeah, like you're right. Like his face must be different. Like there's, there's no other way of thinking around it. That's my head cannon. Uh, is also possible. It's just a plot hole, and Maguire hadn't thought that through. But, but I, that's that's the way I, I read those comics. Is that he is in disguise when he is Professor Guaranius. Either that, or um, she didn't get a very clear look at Warren's face because you know they were spying from afar. There is that, but she would have had. I think, I, and I used to think that too, but then I was reading this and I was thinking she would have had time to, um, like... Oh, wait, but then when she was posing as a, her yeah. counterpart, she would have seen the Warren yeah. clones. She would have familiarized herself with Miles Warren clones. Obviously, he's not in sort of full sort of control of any of the situations there. Like, he's just in a fully servile role. But yeah, she'd know the face. So, yeah. 
So yeah, we're we're just assuming that yeah, the uh, jackal serum just changed his facial structure after each transformation. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I that 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 is the official Ghost Spider Groupies headcanon. Feel free to adopt it, listeners. Um, that is that is what we're going with. That's the only way to solve the problem: making our ho- own headcanon and then spearheading it. Right. Right. Exactly. It's official. Yeah. Yeah, uh, who who else to talk about here? We got Peter six one six. We got we got we got Spider Man. We got um the, he 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 who who is 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 getting Gwen Stacy killed. Um, uh, he's he's feeling real guilty. He's he's feeling real bad about everything. Um, and that's that's Peter Parker for you, I guess. Well, well, the dude just lost his second uncle. Yeah, like and yeah, he, so uh. In the um, the Amazing Spider-Man issue immediately preceding the Clone Conspiracy, it covers the death of J. Jonah uh, Jameson uh, Senior um, and uh, the sort of w- what goes off there. But like essentially, Pete has talked him out of this, and he's and he's died after the fact. Um, and and he's he's just he's just like at this point in Spider-Man comics, right? It doesn't matter how well Peter is doing, because obviously he's doing part with the Parker Industries um, and stuff. But like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's just got this long list of people who who have died because of but but mistakes he's made or because they've been fridged, right? So like, he, they can do a big sort of splash page with all these faces uh, hovering behind him and him looking sad. Um, and this is the thing they do a lot. <laughs> but so I'm thinking, um, since there's a whole laundry list of people who died on Peter's watch or um who have died because of him is there anyone who has who didn't die on his watch is there a laundry list of that i i i don't know i mean he takes responsibility for stuff he needn't take responsibility for, for sometimes like sometimes it's de- definitely people have died that that have just been killed by a villain to give him incentive to to get into a fight but um yeah like he's he's feeling he feels guilt for everybody right and and you and you can tell because these are the people that ben is bringing back like the people that ben is bringing back will be people that ben feels responsibility for which is people that pete will feel responsibility for right yeah um, because they got the same memories so yeah ultimately like pete shouldn't feel responsible for that um and 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 yeah he does and a lot of this is literally just about alleviating guilt um and how much pete's um desire to alleviate that guilt through what are like morally dubious means i think in a lot of ways um sort of you, you know there's, there's a darker edge to that i guess and it's not necessarily dealing with it in, as a, in a constructive healthy way um this is sort of like dark necromancy to a lot of this that, that just feels mad because yeah, uh, P- peter needs to realize that you know a part of life is that you can't have it all like you can't bring the dead back to life yeah, yeah, um, and and yeah, no, I guess that's at the core of a lot of Spider-Man stories. Is yeah, which is which is interesting. I, it's, it's not bad actually. I don't, I don't think it's a bad premise. Um, that's just sort of start out with. Because even Gwen realizes that you know she can't have it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that, that's right. Yeah, like I think I think that underlying sort of concept of somebody trying to like work through their guilt as a superhero and 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 their relationship with sort of power and and how that impacts on the people around them like that's at the core of spider-man stories and that's i think what makes them really strong um and, and you get that from from you know even even dance lot comics you'll get it from no way home you'll get it from spider Gwen comics you know like it's it's there at the core of a lot of things and i i really enjoy that and i think that's like 
why even when I don't like Spider-Man comics, I still enjoy reading them. Because I enjoy like the way that different writers play with that and 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 sort of um, engage with that concept. And uh, you can tell when there's way too many cloning stories when Spidey himself becomes frustrated with how many cloning plots there are. Yeah, yeah, and it's also this isn't the last clone saga. There's been more. That there's Miles has had a clone saga since this, right? Yeah. Which I think is probably the first good one. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I haven't read it. And it's not with Miles Warren. Right. Exactly. It's not with Miles Warren. It seems like it might be the first decent clone saga. I've not read it, but I'd have I don't have any grievances with that at a conceptual level. In the same way, I guess with this. Um, and there's has there been others? Has there been? Well, there's the ultimate clone saga. Okay, that was not. I didn't like that. I didn't like that one. I, I I like the Ultimate Comics, but yeah, um, I don't know. Clone Sagas, I, and I guess this is my problem with it. Right, is it feels cheap, right, to say that well, this mad scientist with this vat and just in a secret facility, uh, just just made a person, just fully copied a very powerful individual or very important person from these comics. They did it off-panel. They did it in sort of large quantities apparently especially with this event and it's all done to deliver these big shock value uh end of the issue splash pages and they do it all the time and that and, and if clone saga feels like a very formulated way of doing that and they do it and they've done it so many times at this point it's just a big way of saying hey we've brought back xyz character um in this really cheap way and the things i don't like doing cloning like this i don't mind cloning as a thing like 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 cloning in star wars for instance like i like the way they construct that they they, they sort of try and build in a sort of internal logic to it they don't do that with cloning in this they're just like it's magic dude like they are bringing back their psychic imprint using the clone conspiracy technology here like that's literally a thing they just say well in our process in the science lab we figured out how to bring back the person's consciousness from their corpse and that's not a how what why they just they just throw that line in there a bunch of times with zero build-up with zero setup with zero good explanation without really weaving it into the story in a meaningful way like it's just there to say we're extra powerful we're extra good at cloning this time around so that we make it more complicated uh, and more like we're bringing back these characters um, that died a long time ago Um, and i don't enjoy that i don't enjoy this kind of thing that comes up in spider-man comics a lot i don't i don't like the whole we snapped our fingers and now this character is back and they have all the memories and we're making multiple versions of them and there's all of this i don't like there are some clones characters that i like like i like kane i like ultimate jessica drew love ultimate jessica drew right i love a lot of clone characters but but i don't like this as a concept to create people like it doesn't make internal logic sense i'm sorry ran over i'm stopped i'm no more talking but no i want to go over the case of uh, the cloning of um ultimate gwen stacy because um well she's a real pickle because the way i saw it is that when the carnage symbiote absorbed and killed the original gwen stacy it also took everything else from her like her memories her personality like even like every bodily fluid from her and then later on when it was the reconstituted it paraded around believing it was the actual gwen stacy Right now, that's fair. Now, I would agree with this. So, so for people who haven't read it in the Ultimate Comics, they also fridge Gwen Stacy um, in a really dumb way. But uh, the way they bring her back, 
because she does come back and she gets a full resurrection as a normal person, right? Um, is they directly tie it into the way that she died. The carnage symbiote is sucking the life force out of people. That's essentially what it's doing, like you say. So therefore, if it if it reproduces Gwen, then surely that's just it's just like transmuted her. Like it's not necessarily killed her. It's just absorbed her, right? And I and I I I ascribe to I subscribe to that explanation i think ultimate gwen is still i don't know if it's, it's obviously not the same physical body but it's still the same consciousness right which i don't feel the same way about like this clone gwen or other clone gwens i think they are like they're just copies right like, like they are not there's a break in the consciousness um of that individual like they've died and they've been like somebody's picked up an imprint and then put it in a new body it's not been it's not it's, it's not seamless like it should be and then there's the case of the kindred twins who um that's another clone saga kind of it's technically called the kindred saga the entire nick spencer run but um but since the uh, stacy twins um they have Norman and Gwen's DNA, like, because they have the mother DNA and then the father DNA, even though in the book it says that they're, like, cloning. They really are Norman and Gwen's kids, but just not in the conventional sense. Yeah, no, that, and, and they make sense, I think, more in the internal logic of of the spider-man universe because they because you know as awful as that story is they do try and like say they were they were made this way they have enhanced aging in this way and this they're like they they try and form some kind of pseudo-scientific internal logic to it that to me would make sense at a world building level like it's not just something they've done as cheaply um as other clone stuff but yeah it's uh it's a ride it's um yeah but yeah, I think yeah. Um, but anyway, back to Peter. <laughs> yeah, so Pete has to deal with these clones all the time. This poor, this, this the poor disheveled, absolute wreck of a man having to deal with like just the most traumatic deaths, and then these people coming back and then having traumatic deaths again. Um, yeah, so he's. Um, I, I guess we should also touch a little bit on like at what point in the comics he is because obviously this is quite a different status quo I, I call him disheveled he is a ceo here he's running a big he's a, is he a billionaire is he is he a billionaire canonically at this point yeah. in the comics right he's a billionaire and a ceo um which is obviously means uh he's an awful person by default um but um that's besides the point i they do change that it, obviously if you read spider-man comics you can see that now but uh, yeah this is the dance lot era of spider-man comics where he's a ceo he has parker industries he's buddies with anna maria marconi um and and everybody has web watches web web things where they uh they can browse the internet but it's on a spider-man themed wristwatch that that's that if, if i'm correct um he has lots of cool cars he has a cool bike in this arc that i enjoyed yeah the spidey um, cycle yeah, the Spidey cycle. He's he's got a fun glowy suit that's uh it's got lots of neat gadgets on, that's fun. And there's a few like nice fun aesthetic things to it, but also he is a billionaire and a CEO. Um and 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 on that thing alone, um I must I, I, I draw the line, Mr. Slot. How could you do this, sir? Well, what if he was genius billionaire playboy philanthropist? I'm I'm sick of the genius playboy billionaire philanthropist. I'm I you know whoever it is if it's Tony Stark if it's Bruce Wayne I don't care give that money to a co-op. I no no you 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 said being a billionaire is 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 always morally incorrect. It is never 
even if you self-made. So I'm assuming you were happy when they did Fall of Parker. When I read Parker Industries collapsing, I was happy. I was like, I was, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that, like, I'm not somebody who enjoys Back to Basics. Like, I, I don't know if I've spoken about this in the past. I don't like Back to Basics. I don't, because um, generally it's it's a sort of spit in the face of past continuity of, of evolving a character. But taking Peter Parker, working class hero, and making him a CEO is especially egregious. Um, and um, and it doesn't matter how kind they make him as a CEO. He's still a CEO. Like the real world analog to him is always going to be Elon Musk and like a, a class of people that are exploiting us all. Um, so, so it's never something I'm going to enjoy. Um, so when they changed that, I enjoyed that. Or he could have at least get, give the company back to Auk because he did have a point. Auk had to earn uh, to work Parker Industries and then it was just handed off to Peter. Yeah, Doctor Octopus is absolutely right. Like he 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 did all of he he literally did all of the work, and then he had it taken from him, which I guess makes Peter Parker the better CEO. Um, uh, he you know he he did the put the CEO a bit better in terms of the exploiting the person doing the work, but um, I just. Uh, yeah, um, Ock, I think, I, I like, actually, I will say this about Dan Slott, I do like Dr. Octopus, I think he's quite good, um, I, I do enjoy the way he writes him, um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I also put a little bit in the notes here that, remember, like, as we said in the synopsis, that he's slightly peeved, that Gwen doesn't check in on him, but rather she hangs out with Jess and Cindy more often. I I love this idea of Peter Parker being actively upset that he's not the center of attention. Like they they made a Spider Women um, book, and he's like, "Excuse me, not all men." Um, and he's just coming along like, "Excuse me, can I get into this club?" And they're like, "No, it's just it's just for us." And he's just there like, "But you don't check in. Why don't you say hi to me?" And it's like Peter Parker just like just lay off them, just lay off this person. It's like not everything has to be about you. <laughs> right, I, I like in in the actual canon of the uh, comic here. He is he is upset that he is not the center of attention of every spider event. Like he is he is in canon, like all of the dude bros annoyed about this fact. I guess it's I don't know male ego. Oh, it, it is a little bit. It is a little bit. But also, he is his right to be like, why didn't you loop me in on this thing? Like, I, I that makes sense. Um, for him to like, even Anna Maria mentions, hey, how come you didn't let Spider Man know about the Jackal doing weird cloning stuff? That makes sense. But also, the reason they didn't tell him also makes sense because now that they have told him, and at this point in the comic, he's now like potentially considering an alliance with the Jackal. Like the thing they were worried about could potentially happen because he knows about it now. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Kane told Gwen that they've got nobody to trust but each other. Yeah, and I, and I, that was it was a neat moment because they, they, they clearly have to be afraid of Peter Parker's um, being tempted to the dark side with the promise of resurrecting Uncle Ben. There's no way around that, and that's something which like Kane because he's he's cold and 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 ruthless and also kind of dying, um, and Gwen who has no investment in that sort of thing in the same way uh, are immune from in the way that like 90% of spider people are going to sort of struggle with in, in a way. I think this is supposed to be the trope of how, you know, emotions cloud your judgment. It is. It is. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on the point that Dan Slott 
is trying to make here, but I, I, I would say the bit that I liked most with the kind of stuff he was trying to say about life and death um, is how Ben stuck in that chamber with Miles Warren, killing him over and over again, couldn't bring himself to break out because the thing that he always thought about to sort of win the day was how much other people needed him, what he owed to them um, and how he needed to keep pushing on for them. Um, and because he was a clone and realized that none of them needed him or were thinking about him in that way, um, he just sort of took it like, you know, he couldn't bring himself to break out of it. And it was only at the 25th time he'd been killed when he'd been absolutely beaten down by the jackal that he has this thought and it says something to the effect of um, how much other people and how much he wants, how much he needs other people, how much he needs these people that are like, well, should be in his life, that would have been in his life if he wasn't, you know, a clone. Um, and um, that thought is inherently much more selfish than the first, right? Instead of him thinking about how much like he owes to other people and his responsibility to them, he's thinking about how much he just wants the sentimentality of them being around. Um, and I guess it's sort of touching on maybe an unhealthy way of viewing those we've lost um, and having a sort of unconstructive approach to um, the people in our lives we lose like, is, isn't necessarily um that, that sort of stops stops people from moving on i guess and and if and if that's the kind of thing that dan slot is trying to say i can i can sort of get on board with that message i think that's quite an interesting thing uh, he's talking about um but there's a few layers to it and one of them is the fact that people are being magically brought back to life in a very cheap process that i can't wrap my head around properly and that's really throwing me um so i may be wrong on this <laughs> okay. I, I think before we get derailed into more cloning talk like well, we're going to talk about Kane, even though he is a clone, but we're not going to talk about the process. Yeah, Kane I is is the he's the he he's he's going through it. He's he's always going through it, but uh this time he's going through it because he has zombie virus but slow. Um and 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 you sort of have this sort of like terminal nature to everything he's doing. Like he's like I'm going to die, so I have to I have to make sure that I've fixed the thing killing me and stopped it from killing other people first. And I think that's a that's a, that's a pretty standard Spider-Man motivation, right? Yeah, because um, the deal with Kane was that um, when he was first made, because he was the very first clone of Pete, like he did suffer from the cellular decay. Like that's the thing that he had to live with. And then when he got the powers of the other, that's how he finally got a reprieve. Yeah, yeah. Dan Slot is is sort of uh, this is the th I guess he said it upright at the end of Spider Verse. Does he do the hand emerging from the other? Yeah, yeah. So he's this is him sequeling to that. This is is this. This isn't the first big event he's done after Spider-Verse, right? There's been other stuff in between. Am I wrong about that? Like, oh, like for Dan Slott? For Dan Slott, yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, yeah, either way, he's he's sequeling to a lot of stuff that's going on there, especially with, like, Spider-Verse adjacent stuff. Um, he's also he's also leading on from a lot of the Web Warriors stuff, like all the stuff that's going on with, like, Kane and Khan uh, and Loom World. That's all, that's all like, like that's him not just leading off from Spider-Verse, but that's, like, Dan Slott having actively read Web Warriors and, like, wanting to do stuff with, with what was going on there. And I like that you can read um, Web Warriors and Clone Conspiracy back-to-back, -back, and it feels like they're happening in the same world, and it feels like it's happening with the same characters, and it's building off the same different processes which are going on in the universe. Like, there is the multiverse at play here. Like, they're using the multiverse to see the worst-case scenarios for the big disaster which is going on here, and I think that's a really interesting way of using that concept 
And it's also something which would make sense, right? Like if you had this big catastrophe going off on your reality and you wanted to know more about it and why it was happening, you would obviously go to other places in the multiverse to figure out how did they deal with it? Um, and how can we fix it here? Like sometimes I get really frustrated reading a lot of spider comics now knowing that they have like easy access to the multiverse or at least they used to anyway. Um, and then they wouldn't use that without like explaining and, and they wouldn't explain why here they explain why and i appreciate that and i enjoy that aspect to it and here's another piece of a uh, well character development that um you know that makes him so why he's so close to gwen you know tending to push people away because he thinks he's keeping them safe because um he didn't want gwen to get infected that's why she didn't um she wasn't looped in on the first place but until she caught him right exactly and um i i like that the the, the two loners here uh, are, uh, are are sort of working together. I enjoy that. Um, that's a it's a nice like like you mentioned earlier. That's a good. That they they have the same sort of thing going on there, and I, that's good. It's like um some sort of semblance of Peter Parker's absent from my life. Right. Exactly. Um. They they they're, they're both trying to move on from their respective Peter Parkers, and I respect that for them. Yeah. Even though, like, um, even though, like, their ship is not, like, it's not canon, nor is it accepted by anyone else. Yeah, they could be, like, re- <laughs> yeah, just really close friends. The the Kane the Kane Gwen ship is cursed. The Kane Gwen friendship is blessed. Uh, that's that's the Ghost Spider Groupies uh, verdict there. But if they did have a ship, like, would it be called Gwen? <laughs> Gwen. Oh no, Gwen! That's ter- oh, that's terrible. It, it, because it sounds bad, it would never work, and I'm glad for that. Uh, but fortunately, you know, um, Gwen's not interested in pursuing a relationship, so. Fortunately, fortunately, fortunately for Spider Gwen readers, the writer doesn't have enough time to put pair Gwen with anybody. <laughs> so. Yeah. So we're okay for today. All right. So um before we um like go off the deep end in shipping, let's talk about um Kane's other Parker bro, Ben, the new jackal. You're right, exactly. So if you're if you're a Ben Riley enjoyer, this is a rough this is a rough event for you, I imagine. This is a rough time yeah. for the Ben Riley fans. Like it's only because um because you know, going into this, I had to regress my mindset back into this era because I'm reading Spider-Man Beyond right now. Yeah, uh, so like Ben Riley is Spider Man in the comics right now. That's not changed yet, has it? No, and that's going up until I think March with the uh, series finale of Spider Man Beyond. Yeah, yeah. So he's having a little run of it, and obviously he's 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 not normally a supervillain. No, <laughs> no. Um, but he is here. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, being killed and revived 25 times would drive anyone insane. Like, I know if I were to be killed and revived 25 times, I would go insane too. Well, maybe, probably not by the 25th time. Maybe for the 10th time, I would be like, that's it. Mm-hmm, you, you, you're keeping a tally chart and like, like times I need to be killed before I become a supervillain. Yes, because like 25, that's a little bit excessive. It did feel like that for Ben. Like they were like, this is his breaking point. And honestly, like this is the kind of thing which does happen to Peter Parker occasionally. Like Kindred did it to him. Pretty sure it, like his heart got stopped and started a bunch recently. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't 25 times. Maybe not 25 times. 
but that said, I did I did think this was a bit rough. I don't think that um like obviously like the thing they're going for is that Ben is is conducting like a perversion of the great power, great responsibility thing. Like he's he's doing it the wrong way. Like that's what they want to be like. And I I I like that as a concept, but also for him to be doing it in such an evil way. Like he's resurrecting supervillains and he's wearing the jackal's outfit and he's pretending to be Miles Warren and he's digging up bodies, like all of that. Very unfortunate for Ben. Very, uh, as a bit of a character assassination. Um, and if you're a Ben Riley enjoyer, I think this is a rough time. This is a rough event. Um, it's not like Spider Man Beyond, which I'm sure is very good for Ben Riley enjoyers. I don't know. I haven't read it. And, and I'm also not a Ben Riley enjoyer particularly. I don't have anything against him. He's just another Peter Parker in my book. So, <laughs> but we did mention before that we're going to be getting more of Ben's adventures in the 90s. Like in his uh, January miniseries, but um, I incorrectly said that it was Peter David doing it. Like I was supposed to say, J.M. De Matisse. Right, right, right. And 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 of course, um, Peter da- did Peter David actually do? He did uh, do a Ben Riley book. Yeah, was it like immediately after this? Oh, you mean the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider? Yeah, I think that 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 is a direct sequel to Clone Conspiracy, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is supposed to be. Right. So like, yeah. Um. This isn't a status quo that stays in place for a while, but it is a very strange choice for, for Mr. Riley here. It's a, it's a rough time. Yeah, to, because, uh, well, being killed and revived 25 times will do that to you. <laughs> that said, it did give him an excellent sense of style and the Anubis outfit, very sexy. And I enjoy it. He did say it gets more respect than a Greenford Yoda costume. Absolutely. No, I, I'm sorry. Like, if they ever adapt the Jackal, give him the, like, in a film, like, the, if they ever, I don't know, maybe maybe they shouldn't make him look cool because uh, he's Miles Warren. But honestly, I just, I really enjoy this Jackal design. I guess it only really works if the Jackal isn't Miles Warren and a creep. But it's a good, it's a very good design. I enjoy the motif a lot. Um, and um, yeah, um, yeah, I, I just kind of, like, red suit. Mm. Like the black mat, I just it's I'm having a good time with it. He is presenting himself as a business, so you gotta look the part. You can't go into your meetings dressed up in a green jackal costume. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I think they would have an easier time with them being like, um, the reason everybody's becoming an evil clone person isn't because they have to, because if they don't take these pills, they'll turn into a zombie. They're taking it because there is this really hot guy in a red suit and a cool black mask who is letting them join their his, his exclusive club if they do it. Like I, I feel like I would relate to that more than the zombie thing. Um, that that would be more compelling for me personally. I cannot speak for everybody. Um, but but that's just where I'm coming at it from. Like, did you just describe a cult? I might have just described it. Is it is very culty? If we're being like, if we're being felt like the level of control that Ben Riley exercises over each of these individuals, like the power over life and death, they have to pledge their absolute lifelong allegiance to him. Um, and it's all all the information, all of their social circle is completely insular. I would describe New You and their group of resurrected clone people as a cult underneath Ben Riley Jackal too. Um, yes, I, I would. And also, I'm not saying I would be immune to joining it. I'm that 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 was where I was going with that. Yeah, you would join New You. 
again, if Ben Riley is making a good point with his outfit specifically, not with anything else really, uh, but with the outfit specifically. Like, a, oh, just to wear the outfit, just not get involved with the cloning scheme? <laughs> Basically, right. Well, well, well. Um, no, I'm, I, I just, right. I, I just, yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm saying he's a good cult leader. He's, he's running a tight ship there. He's, that, that's where I'm, yep. Cause, yeah, because the consequence of, um, well, well, in a way, like with the cult, you know, there is a consequence if you uh, try to leave here, you won't get your clone pills. Yeah, and I think it's more than that, because obviously, like, if somebody stops to take it, like, says, I'm leaving, I'm not taking my clone pills anymore, like, they're not going to just, like, let them leave, like, they're just going to, they're gonna what they're going to do is they're either going to, like, like, I just purge them and make a new one, or they're going to force them to take the pills like, there's, there's no way they're gonna just let somebody become a zombie like there's no way they're letting it get out like you have no choice if you if you are a part of new you you are locked in and if you leave you have to keep taking those pills and you have to stay in touch with new you like none of the people who who, who are associated with it are not like completely secretive completely loyal um and essentially part of this extremely insular community it, it is it is super culty it is it is it is a really really strange way like when they come up when all of his allies come up to him and say hey we've brought all these supervillains back isn't that great and then pete goes no it's not what if they turn evil what if they go and kill people and they go oh don't worry we have them as literal slaves if they don't do what we say they will die and you're like hold on that's not a good that's not a good system. That's an awful system. <laughs> well, if we're well, if we're gonna be talking about cults, like I'm technically in a cult because well, it's one of Donny Kate's jokes. Because um, like if you follow any of his books, you're practically in his cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've I've come to understand that every cult is bad except for the ones you're in. Um, that's that's my opinion. But yeah, Donny runs a good cult. Yeah, he does. He does. It's a good vibe. It's a good vibe. But um, anyway, if we're still talking about cults, you could say that the Gwen six one six clone, like, is one of the higher ups. For sure, yeah, she's a uh, she's yeah she's she's got a weird sort of business partner role, um, that they've given her here, um, yeah. Because um, Ben's using the clone of her dead dad, you know, as um an incentive for her to become his business partner, and like even though. These aren't the actual Captain Stacy and Gwen. They just have the uh, memories of their genetic template. Yeah, they, they they go back and forth on this within the comic itself, and whether or not these are like clones, or whether they have like the the consciousness is is like continued from the the person who died. But I I I I would I'm leaning more towards these are copies. These aren't like the Gwen six one six died falling from that bridge she didn't die. she didn't like come back no. in any meaningful way since then because all of these scientific things that they're doing are essentially they're just copies right at the end of the day like I, I, it sounds mean it sounds harsh because obviously this gwen six one clone is 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 does a lot of very meaningful stuff uh, in in this arc but but yeah they're going with the mentality that you know if it walks like a duck and if it talks like a duck yeah yeah no uh it it yeah like i think i think that's often how they sort of look at it like if if this person is doing all these things but uh, and this is something which happens in marvel like they'll do clones like black widow is a clone at the moment like she's technically a clone but because she's a perfect clone 
uh, she may as well be the same person and everybody treats herself uh, her as the same person i think i think we mentioned this before on the podcast right and so yeah like like you say uh it, it doesn't stop that person from living out the life of the person that died um, that they're a clone of but yeah. yeah and then there's also the case of ashley kafka where um even though it seems like everyone died, well, who was cloned died at the end of the issue, she's still running about, but they treat her like the same one. Yeah, I think we'll get into this more in the next arc, but there are a number of people who make it out of this event who were cloned, who who continue living their lives as if they, 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 they you know, they're picking up from the, the person who died. And I, I think there's some questions to be raised about that. Um for real uh yeah yeah. yeah, there's still more people who go through like um another like a breakout star doc ock yeah dr octopus i think straight that's a straight like they 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 explain how his consciousness survives like he's 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 at least cop like i just yes it's kind of strange to me because obviously like the superior spider-man copied his his mind in the spider-verse event but yeah like he he's sort of I, I don't know. It's very confusing. It's very elaborate. But Dan Slott really wanted Dr. Octopus to keep to stay in play. So that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's why um he resorted to uh, using the living brain in order to uh, get it until he gets another suitable body. Essentially, he uploaded his mind into the Octobot as a backup and then uploaded his mind into the living brain to get closer to Anna Maria and then um put it back in the Octobot. <laughs> It, it it's very elaborate and and it does feel very like it feels like that whole issue explaining how he survives feels very stretched like you have to wonder is this the same person at this point like is does does one's consciousness survive once you've been put inside a robot even if it's got 2099 tech or whatever like i like the it gets so existential when i think about it that i'm like i just i i need to think about a different thing after a certain point but yeah like is the copy of a person's mind patterns, is that still the same person if they're put in a new body? Right, because obviously Superior Spider-Man, like, lived after Spider-Verse, continued doing things after Spider-Verse for a bit. Like, so there's th- there'd be at least two different Superior Spider-Men existing at the same time. Um, like, this back backed up one, right? And this one who went on to live and then get sort of replaced by pete 616 once he got his brain back so i yeah like i i don't i don't know if it's the same consciousness but but there's he's he is superior spidey right just like i guess like a copied over version a backup version yeah and even uh, like when he was trying to fight peter you know he was still trying to prove that he was the superior spider-man yeah, he was. I like that. I do like the way Dan Slott writes Doc Ock, like when he's actually doing stuff and not like trying to find excuses for him to be alive, but like actually doing stuff. That was really fun. The whole bit where he claims his arms back and like Jekyll's like, what are you doing? Why don't you go see your arms? And he looks at him. He's like, the arms come to me. And then the arms like scurry across the floor to him. I loved that. Like, like all of the Dr. Octopus stuff in this, like uh, when Jekyll's like, I'm going to keep you on a chemical leash. And he's like, no, actually your chemicals suck. And that's why they work like this. This isn't deliberate. This isn't a feature. It's a flaw. Um, I love that whole moment. So good. There's, there's a bunch of really good Doc Ock moments. Like I enjoy reading Dan Slot Spider-Man comics so I can have good Dr. Octopus moments. That that's why I enjoy Dan Slot Spider-Man comics. Like I think Dan Slot was trying to push Ock as um 
as Pete's nemesis because I think every writer like has their own agenda about who should be this person's arch nemesis. Maybe, but I think I think maybe it's it's more uh, more along the lines of like he he wants Ark to be in his own. I guess he's in a bit of a liminal space between like anti-villain and anti-hero, yeah. where he's 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 usually a third party. When you watch stuff with Doctor Octopus in, or you read stuff with Doctor Octopus in, he's more often than not he's he's a third party to like an antagonist who's evil evil and he's got more like either his own agenda or uh he's just sort of doing his own thing or he does like actually want to stop the antagonist with pete but you know he's not going to ally outright with pete or whatever i don't know like you what there's a lot of stuff with dr octopus in where he's not evil evil and i get the sense he's not evil evil here either like i don't think version dr octopus would go around like i guess like killing people um and and doing like maniacal stuff like all the stuff he's doing is is fairly tame um and he obviously um acts quite selfishly at times but he's not doing anything like what ben is doing like he's not doing morally awful stuff um he's just he's just sort of being you know he's doing his own thing yeah because ark wanted to help ben with uh, how to solve the cellular decay problem yeah, like, and, and obviously there's selfish reasons for him doing that, but it's also not, it's not a selfish end, right? Like, if he's successful in doing that, then, you know, he's not hurt anybody. And I get, you know, I get the sense that that's a deliberate choice. Like, Dan Slott didn't want Dr. Octopus to be doing evil stuff. And even if he is, like, an arch nemesis, or, or at least a, a very, very important supporting character for Spider-Man comics, then, then he's not going to be one where he is outright evil. Um, and I enjoy that. I like that lane for Doc. Like I think this is in due part to the fact that like during Superior that um you know Anna Maria Marconi was the one to ground him. Yeah. Um and there's a lot of that and he he sort of he has this sort of it is slightly creepy. The comic does comment on it. It's a little bit creepy, uh, this obsession with Anna Maria Marconi. And 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 I do think it's uncomfy how he has a real a full relationship with Anna Maria while pretending to be Peter Parker, like being called Peter, etc. Like I do think that's very unfortunate, uh, and it does feel very one-sided in this comic. And I guess they do try and grapple with that, um, yeah. but it's not—it's not a good vote in Doc's in, in Doctor Octopus's favor. Well, at least in the cartoon, or well, here I go again. Like it's much more sensible. Yeah, I think they've worked it out. Like I feel like if they were to do the the, the superior Spider-Man arc again in in something like a proper sort of adaptation or, or Redux or or alternate universe or whatever um they'd do it in a way that was that was better like with a with a with a with a with a with a good idea of where it's going and why he's doing it um you know i thought with with less problematic elements i guess yeah because i think in the show awk and anna maria they're like around the same age range although she might be a little bit older than awk but either way like not like not to the point where it's considered creepy yeah yeah it's um yeah it's not not a creepy not a creepy relationship there um no not like uh, but you know but the definition of creepy miles warren very much so uh yeah yeah he's uh he he has he has that brief moment where he seems like he could be a hostile threat um where where they do the ben riley flashback uh but literally all of the time outside of that he is a non-threat in this comic um and I, I i do think we do get to a point where he does stuff but by and large he is in a completely servile role and the reveal is that 
he is in a more servile role than we thought he was in initially um, when when it's revealed that the jackal is Ben now. Um, so yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's in a rough time of it. Uh, he is one of many clones. He doesn't know if he's a clone or not, which is, I guess is a kind of insane thing to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, the man did kill Ben and revive him 25 times. I'm thinking, like, during those 25 times, like, Jesus Warren. Yeah, he's, he's just completely detached, I guess, from human people as, like, individuals with their own agency. Um, and that's his big problem. He's He's not, he's not got that but he does have a particularly torturous edge uh to his character here that we don't see from him all the time in his other appearances um but yeah this was the big thing that he was in prior to where we see him in the ghost spider comics so yeah. so this is the this is the this is the last thing he does before we read about him in the ghost spider comics so if, if you're ever like what what was what was miles warren doing what's his history like this is the this is the first thing on the timeline to look at but at least um Warren didn't make another yet another attempt to clone Gwen because um I'm gonna because I'm gonna give a little bit a history lesson about Gwen's clones. Her first two successful clones were Abby L and Joyce Delaney. So like Abby L is what the cane is to Gwen six one six, and Joyce Delaney is what Ben Riley is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because um Abby L was the very first one like Kane. But her condition, like other than from cellular decay, like she could also infect others with the cellular decay. That is not great for the Gwen clone. And the Joyce Delaney, like, is considered like the perfect Gwen clone. But um, but since she didn't like what she was, she ran away with an with a Miles Warren clone named Warren Miles. Well, that's actually quite upsetting. I didn't know that. Like yeah, but that was all back in the nineties. But like, but both Abby L and Joyce are dead because um of Spider Island because uh Abby L made Warren promise not to clone anyone after her, and then we all know how that happened with Joyce Delaney. She tracked Joyce down and killed her because she wanted to wipe out all of Warren's work, and then Abby L was killed by a mind control cane as the tarantula. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot going on there. Um, and I'm struggling to emotionally process all of the awful things that are happening to our Gwen clones today. Like, um, like, how would you feel if, uh, if Jacqueline, the ghost spider comics creates yet another clone of Gwen? I'm I'm not having it. I'm not like, like, I feel like Gwen 65 should be the final note on alternate versions of Gwen Stacy. Like, I feel like that should be it. Like at that point you've, you've, you're so far removed from what they were originally doing. What, why, why keep pushing that further? And, and, and it's just like, it, it is like you say, like there's so many Gwens and, and a lot of the time it just sort of, it's just more suffering for this character who died in a way, which was so much unnecessary suffering that was put on them by, by the sort of the writer. Like it was completely unnecessary fridging and, um i guess we'll get into that in a moment but like um yeah no i just i don't i don't want a clone saga from miles like uh, miles warren i liked the stuff that mcguire was doing with miles where he was doing mutations and he was doing all of that sort of cool sort of science experiment stuff and transforming and and making jackal people and all of that like that was fun like i like that lane for him i don't like the cloning people over and over and over and over again for shock value um it's not fun um, and at a certain point, it's just trauma on trauma on trauma on trauma, and you're like, it's too much. 
Well, at least this time in this story that like Warren didn't even think about trying to clone Gwen. He was just trying to figure out how to make cellular degradation stop. Yeah, like he he, he feels yeah, his motivations are like less obsessed in this. Like obviously he's still an awful person doing an awful thing, but but it doesn't feel like he's he's on the same thing that he was in the last time he appeared and um yeah, I I just yeah, he's 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 a character. <laughs> Although, remember that bad joke that I told you when uh, Gwen Verso was announced that um, somewhere out there, Miles Warren just said, he, he just declared jackpot. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, oh he's, yeah. Um, wonder what he would think of that. He is, yeah. Because uh, obviously he's still obsessed now, but it's just less. The, the, the gimmick isn't there anymore. Yeah. But um, before we start losing listeners about the creepiness of the jackal, like mm-hmm. uh, who else is on the? Like, is there still anyone? I I wanted to talk about um the night where, uh, the night I died, the the like the B story in the first issue, mm-hmm. um because like for those who don't know, in the story of the night Gwen Stacy died, Gwen still had not found out that Peter Parker was Spider Man, and. She was also completely unconscious when she died already. She was just laying laying there, passed out. And there's obviously, on top of like just the the actions that she's taking, um, that that she's not taking rather the actions that these other characters are taking, that she she doesn't even get the option to even consider. Um, that's a lot of agency that has been removed from her character. So not only is it a fridging, she also has no knowledge of the fridging. Um, and she has no she has no knowledge of the reason why, um, and this isn't a full retcon of that. Like I don't think they could ever do that at this point. It's it's a very interwoven thing into the Spidey Six One Six comics, but this is a retcon of that little bit of agency that she didn't have. So in this story, Dan Slott is very specifically trying to make sure that Gwen uh, knows and works out that Peter is Spider Man, and also that she is fully awake for the death and she's aware of what's happening and why it's happening and why it's not fair and why it's a decision that like she has no part of and that she's, she doesn't deserve it. Um, and I respect that. I respect that he did that in a very unsubtle way as well. I, yeah, I enjoy this little B story. Um, it's sad. Um, and, um, it sets up, I think Gwen, like it gives Gwen 616, uh, the, the Gwen 616 clone is some, some sort of pathos to work from that goes beyond a little bit more, maybe what the, the, we, we've seen from other Gwen 616 stuff. I, I like this clone because it feels like she's trying to work back in some of that agency that's been taken away from her that we, we set up with there. And then, and then you know, you also have to try to make sense of the fact that you know this is just her clone uh, having all of these um, experiences about her death. But what would the actual real Gwen Stacy six one six feel about you know Peter's identity? Like, would she be vengeful? Like, this is why. Like, when I was reading all of the early stuff of Nick Spencer's um, before Last Remains and uh, the Sinister War art. I thought that Kindred was going to be the actual Gwen Stacy back to life, like for real this time, just because, um, cause you know, she fit the profile. That's fair. I hear that. That would have made sense. Um, I, 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 I would subscribe to the idea that like the actions that Gwen 616 
the Gwen 616 clone is taking would have been the same actions that Gwen 616 would have taken if she were resurrected in the same manner. Like in an act, like the actual, like if she were actually just, just blipped back into existence, that, that she would have taken the same things. Because like this is the closest that we've had to Gwen 616, the closest possible version of her with the most amount of agency that we've had um, in 616 continuity, right? Um, I've, I've, that's that's the way I read this particular character. Because um, because going back to my uh earlier kindred theory, because you know another reason for vengeance could have been like why wasn't she part of the deal to be revived? Because remember when we all thought that Harry was seemingly blipped back into life after one more day, right? And and like not her before the reveal that um the Harry that we've been following for ten plus years is yet another clone. <laughs> yeah there's there's yeah uh is that gonna go down as being called the kindred saga like you said earlier is that how people are gonna talk about the spencer run because there's just there's just so much big retconning going off left right and center for over such a long period of time it's mad i think marvel officially coined it as the kindred saga it's mad i can't i can't even but at least it um you know um rectified one of the most hated storylines out there it it did that it'll always have that um hopefully um yeah but, um anyway is that is that it for part one of clone conspiracy yeah and i think maybe we should save our summation summary thoughts until when we've finished the full thing yeah but i think before we close out the show um you know there was a certain spider movie that came out this past weekend i believe it was called spider-man bikini car wash that sounds right to me that sounds right to me um are we are we doing spoiler discussion or non-spoiler discussion i think we can do spoiler discussions now because it's inevitable but um everyone who's listening out there um you have been warned yeah so um yeah uh we're, go- we're gonna do no way home spoilers for about what, like five we do a little five minute segment then yeah We'll put a timestamp in for for when you can listen again without any spoilers, which which will just cover the uh, stuff we'll be reading next week. So uh, yeah, did you wanna do you want tell me what you thought? Yeah, I think you saw it first. Being the first one between the both of us to uh, see No Way Home, like I first I only had like three words to describe my experience. It was you know holy fucking shit because you know they they brought everyone back from the Raimiverse and the Webverse. Like they got friggin' Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Yeah, they had the works. Yeah, like even though they didn't want to upstage into the Spider Verse, like it might as well have upstaged into the Spider Verse because, like, yeah, like everyone, like everyone couldn't stop talking about it. Like, like I was trying so hard to avoid spoilers, and like thankfully I did, even though um there were some theories floating around. Like for example. Matt freaking Murdoch is in it, played by Charlie Cox again. That was very cool. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, there was, there was, I, I haven't had as good a time in the cinema um, as I had done for a while before watching this film. It's not to say I haven't seen good films, but, um, but yeah, uh, was a, I, just, I really, really enjoyed this film, and um, I think they executed it in in a really solid way i think um the character work they do with uh, mcu pete is really really strong um and and you you do feel like um after sort of the three and a half films we've had him in um that he's gone on a real 
you, you know, they've really developed this character in a really meaningful way that perhaps um, it, 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 some some MCU characters perhaps have missed out on or uh, haven't had the same kind of treatment. But yeah, no, I'm just uh, I, I was really pumped for what they did with this film and um, particularly what they did with the villains that they brought in. Um, like one one of my fears seeing a lot of these guys being brought in because obviously like a lot of them are dead or like sort of gone away or whatever like you, you sort of you you get kind of concerned that what they're going to do is like retcon in or out something that happens to them um or, or their development and stuff like especially dr octopus um I, I was worried they were gonna like forget that he was actually a nice guy at the end of spider-man 2 and like was a nice guy at the start of it as well but you gotta remember that um you know these aren't the same versions even though they are the same actors and follow like a similar history these are essentially variants once they've been plucked from their universes i think i mean the way i saw it is they sort of it 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 took them right from before the moment of their death and of their death and threw them in that universe that's that's what it was happening there um, I think that is the same. That it's supposed to be the same version, um, as plot holy as that sounds. Yeah, like all the although like based on um MCU time travel rules and Loki's rules, like they did become variants once they visited the sacred timeline. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but it's it's not sacred. It's not sacred anymore, is it? It's not. Well, no, it's only sacred if it's pieced back together. But um, it, one of the problems to address is that how. Um, Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they tried to shoehorn in too many villains, but um, No Way Home did not have that problem, like, because they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I think, I, I, and and I think it sort of depends what you're doing with them, because I think there is, a, there is a problem. It's not necessarily, like, you, you can have three villains, you can have six villains in a Spider-Man story, you can have, like, dozens of villains in a Spider-Man story. It's not necessarily a bad problem. Uh, it, it depends what you're trying to do with them, like... One of those problems with like Spider-Man three and Amazing Spider-Man two, they both try and do a Goblin arc in a very very small amount of scenes in a very rushed time period where they take somebody who is like an otherwise like okay person and make them evil in a very short time frame, and it doesn't land. Um, and they're not trying to do anything quite that ambitious um, this time around. They are taking characters that are sort of, um, uh, you know, that, that you know, like they're giving them stuff to do and they're giving them development. Like I think it really elevates. Uh, Dr. Octopus, I think it re- the stuff they do with Green Goblin, excellent, fantastic. Like, I love that villain now far more yeah. than I did after the, the original performance. Yeah, this just cements Goblin as Pete's arch nemesis. Yeah, I think so. And like Dr. Octopus, I think, will always be my favorite um, Rogues Gallery uh, member for, for, for Pete. But but uh, I, I think Green Goblin, I think, uh, in this film is just, he's fantastic. And the way they set up uh, how the, the Goblin personality is this sort of like um is this sort of like invasive force that norman is trying to deal with and he's he's really just this sort of scared old man who's trying to like get rid of it and the stuff they do uh around that i it was fascinating i loved it at the moment where he goes uh, norman is on sabbatical oh my days every fight scene just felt so much more tactile than perhaps what we've had before at least as far as the mcu is concerned um I was living for it. I I was I I really enjoyed it. And then the feels when Aunt May dies. I'm like, no. 
Yeah, I, I was a little bit afraid they'd do a fridging, they'd do a fridging thing. Um, it didn't feel too much like that with um, the amount of agency that she gets. Like she properly like faces off and chooses, and and it's very clear that this is something that she, this is a sacrifice that she's willing to make, and and it's a lesson that she wants to give to Peter. She gives, she does the great power, great responsibility line, and um, I think audiences were ready to hear that again after not really hearing it for yeah. like three four films or so yeah, um, but... and it landed so well and and at that moment you knew she was going to die because <laughs> uh, did you know that like the movie is kind of also an adaptation of the night when stacy died because um a little bit of another history lesson um aunt may was supposed to die in asm 121 instead of gwen uh, i didn't didn't know that um yeah that would have been interesting but uh um, I, I think they're playing with a few storylines here. They're obviously doing the Goblin has killed somebody close to Pete thing, which I guess has happened a few times. Yeah. Um, but I think the one that they, they're definitely going more for is is the um, the, the ret- everybody retcons, the, the big retcon to Pete's secret identity in-universe, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the, like, they essentially combined one more day, one moment in time, and brand new day. Yeah, they're, they're playing with a lot of ideas and um, you know, I'm. I, I think they make it work. Um, everybody who said that this was a great adaptation of a bad story and all that, you spoiled it for me. I don't, 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 don't say that. Don't say that because it's very clear what direction it's going to go in when you say stuff like that. Um, but um, it was very good. Yeah, at least they redeemed the night Gwen Stacy died when Amazing Spider-Man caught MJ. Um, yeah, like I have a like Andrew Garfield is probably my favorite. Like. Peter, like my favorite Peter Parker, like maybe not not my favorite films by any means, but like definitely my favorite Peter Parker. And um, his relationship and his romance with Gwen Stacy, I think, was probably the strongest. And I think, um, you know, as good as his acting was, it's not enough to carry sort of the conceptual flaw of Gwen Stacy just sort of getting scooped up by Green Goblin and sort of killed in this is collateral in this fight to make Peter sad for the very end of sort of this film and whatever. I don't like that. I don't like that whole thing. I don't like the killing off a character for this person's angst thing. Uh, when that character's not really got much of a say in the whole thing. Um, and, and yeah, like it just, it felt, it felt very uncomfy the way they did that. Um, and, and you know, I, I would have preferred it if it was maybe a bit close to how they did on May's thing, if they were going to kill that character off, but it didn't, didn't have that vibe about it um and uh yeah like i just i i i yeah i i like that they had that moment where he's sort of he gets a bit emotional yeah because yeah. uh mj asked him like if he's okay and then like he like he's tearfully like reassuring her yeah no i i, I you have the sense that they sort of they they wanted to sort of give these characters a little bit more closure than maybe their films left them with especially for andrew um yeah, and and also like, I I loved all it like what not necessarily the scenes with the like hey do you remember when I did this and then sort of like when I do you remember when I did this like th- those those scenes were less fun. Um, I liked the dialogue interactions where they're all like, like the back cracking moment or the uh, you're amazing moment or the uh, all those little bits where they're like just sort of encouraging each other and like yeah. trying to lift each other up. I loved those. Those were nice. And I'm. I'm convinced that they improvised the pointing at each other. When does when does that happen? In the lab scene, like when they were trying to, uh, you know, get all three Peters' attention. Oh yeah, no, I loved that. That was great. When they're just saying Peter and and, and then just like, just like I and they and they couldn't figure out who's who and they have to give everybody numbers. It's great. Um, I, I I love I love that about it. And 
Uh, it was, you know, honestly, it was surreal. It was, it was surreal seeing these characters come back. Um, like I'd done a, I'd done a rewatch of all these films beforehand, and it's just, it's so strange tonally to 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 remember what those films were like and and to see those actors you know playing their roles sort of fairly similarly to how how they were and sort of continuing that um but you know it was one thing for the villains which i think mapped on really well into the mcu but but these characters which are so different from mcu pete um sort of interacting with them it was it was just surreal and um watching the film seeing them come in through those portals was yeah, yeah and that was and when the multiverse was breaking, like you could see all of these Easter eggs of uh, other Spidey characters and or villains. Like I saw Craven, I saw uh, comics accurate Scorpion and Mysterio. No, not Mysterio. Um, Rhino. Yeah, I saw that one. And then what suspiciously seems to look like Black Cat, just because uh, like they seem to be wearing a fur-lined collar. Yeah, I uh, there was a lot going on there, and my brain just sort of stopped taking it all in at that point. (laughs) It was was a little bit overwhelmed. Like, like I would have exploded if one of those silhouettes just happened to be a certain hoodie-wearing blonde female spider. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For a second there, I thought you were going to go with Ben Riley, Uh, but yes, um, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I just, yeah, I thought that was it was a really, yeah, really good film. Really enjoyed it. I've I've, I want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, um, I think this is tied with Into the Spider Verse as like my favorite uh, Spidey movie. I, I still think uh, I think still th- I, st- I still think Into the Spider Verse does it better, like in terms of like Spider Verse concept. And I think it's just purely off the back of they have very very different Spider people. Yeah, I think um, I also eek closer to Into the Spider Verse, and also because it's animated and like, animation's my one of my first loves. Yeah, yeah. My 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 problem with um. With 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 the sort of the execution of what they're doing here, and, and conceptually, is just the idea of having three Peter Parkers who are all sort of more or less the sort of standard format, um, and and they don't they don't have any radically different ones in there. The thing I like about Spider Verse is when they can have really wacky ones in there, or characters who are not supposed to be Spider Man, or or characters who are very different or very original, um, and and that's what they did with Spider Verse is they have very different versions of spider-man you know they have the perfect peter parker they have the complete failure peter parker they have the um they have uh high school miles morales high school age miles morales even um they have um gwen stacy um uh spider-woman they have uh spider-noir and spider-ham and you know all of these characters all of them feel very very different from one another in a way that you know even though they are very different the sort of standard format Peter Parker's never can at a conceptual level. And that's my problem. I think with no way home, um, I would, I wouldn't have done it like that myself. I think my only nitpick would have been um, like, why wasn't Aunt May shown to be buried next to uncle Ben? Yeah. They, they have, they actually mentioned uncle Ben in the films. No, because the only explicit mention of uncle Ben in the MCU is what if episode five, Right, and that could just be something that, like, a what if writer threw in there. Like, we don't. I I get the impression they're just never going to do Uncle Ben in the MCU at this point. Like, it's too far gone. Because I think his death was alluded to, like, during Homecoming when uh, Peter told Ned that she can't find out he's Spider Man not after what she's been through. 
Yeah, yeah, that and that and that makes sense, and I hear that. But then they just never, they never do that. They never talk about what she's been through. So you just, you never like. And I feel like at this point, they may as well just get on with it now that they just, they just may as well just, just push on, uh, sans Uncle Ben, um, and 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 do whatever. Like, uh, like, did we want to talk about like some theories that we might have about the upcoming college trilogy? Um, yeah, okay. Even though me personally, I'd like Harry, Ghost Spider, Redheaded MJ, and Felicia. Like, I'd like, I'd like to see Felicia to change it up a bit. Sure. Uh, no, I, I hear that Black Cat. Um, it would would be cool to see Black Cat in live action. Uh, Amazing Spider Man doesn't two doesn't count. <laughs> no, like they could even be like the same age. They could be introduced as rival superheroes. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, that that could work. Well, um. But yeah, you when you said that um Felicia Hardy and um ASM number two uh by Felicity Jones doesn't count. Like she was also supposed to appear in the unproduced Raimi Spider Man four played by Anne Hathaway, but she would have been the vulture. That's mad. I just I I I um yeah, like we, we yeah, we haven't had a good live action black cat. So I guess I still see how that goes. I think I think of of the, the, the plot threads that they've left untied in this in this MCU Spider-Man's film so far, we've had the Scorpion introduced halfway, um, and he clearly wants to do a Sinister Six type thing with Adrian Toomes. Oh, but um, but at post credit scene, a piece of the Venom symbiote was left behind. Right, we've had the piece of the Venom symbiote at the end there. Um, there's whatever's going on with Flash Thompson because they've hinted at it. They drop in a couple of things in Far From Home where he clearly has some kind of home family tension that they have not elaborated on. Um, and I do think they'll get into that in future stuff. Um, I do think we'll see whatever's going on with his life. I don't know whether that character could really be a villain um, because they've played him so comedically so far, but I guess we'll see. Or maybe just an inexperienced Agent Venom. Maybe. I think that'd be fun. Like like, like what Ultimate Spider-Man does or whatever. Uh, the, the cartoon, that is. Um, I, I think um, I think obviously they, they will do a thing where Pete wants to get back with MJ. And it's this will-they-won't-they thing for a bit. Uh, but they might leave it a film or two before they start picking that up. Um, like, um, e- even Tom Holland, like, he wanted to pitch a possible Spider-Man Yelena Belova team-up. That's very specific, and he clearly has a crush on Florence Pugh. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that could happen. But also um, at the same time, he said in another interview that maybe it's time for a Spider Gwen or Spider Woman. Yeah, no, I, I think I think maybe uh, stuff I would like to see um, that they haven't touched on. Oh, Miles Morales. They should do Miles Morales. That's the thing yeah. they should do. They should yeah. introduce him. Well, because yeah, he does exist in the MCU because he was mentioned by Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring bring back Donald Glover. Have the Prowler be a thing. Make Miles Morales. That they should do that in the new trilogy, so that they can kill off or retire Pete at the end of it, and then start making films with the new Miles. Um, or or um, another thing I'd like to see is uh, is Kingpin. Uh, is it Tony D'Onofrio? Am I saying that right? Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. I just gave him a generic sounding Italian name. That's awful of me. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio should should be Kingpin in in a spider like in a Spider Man film, and they should fight. I want to see that Spider Man Daredevil team up. Yeah, I want to see that. Oh yeah, have Daredevil come back. Have him. Have him. And like. I don't want to see Pete interact with Iron Man. I don't want to see him interact with Doctor Strange. I want to see him with Daredevil. 
that's who I want to see him ally with. Like, what if um Jessica Jones was brought into the fray considering they had comics history together, although obviously in the MCU, um, like, she, like she's in her early 30s. I, I don't I, I don't think they can do that thing where they went to high school together, but they, they can they can definitely have like, I, I want Pete to operate more at the street level. And that's definitely the direction they're going in with the end of this most recent film. Um, I also think what what Sony I don't know if they've done it deliberately or not they've sort of proved it in case like like he feels very much less tied into the MCU now like he's because he's much more severed from the outside world if it is the case they don't want to renew their contract they're in a sort of creative they're they're in a better position for dealing yeah, with that. But I think the obligation uh, for Spider-Man being in the MCU is that in his solo movies there has to be at least one wider MCU guest star. Yeah, I think there is. Um, and and if they ever want to break that contract now, like he's not glued to Iron Man or whoever, um, so they can get away with it. Just tie him in with Daredevil or Yelena. Or Yelena, yeah. Um, just that wrap up our thoughts about No Way Home. Yeah, that was way longer than five minutes, but like, yeah, it, it was it was just epic. I very much enjoyed that film. Um, so back to non-spoilery discussion. We're not going to talk about No Way Home anymore. Um, no, we're we're going to talk about what's going on in next episode. Yes, uh, we're going to do part two of the Clone Conspiracy. Yep. Next episode, we're reading part two of our Clone Conspiracy read-through. So we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to be reading Clone Conspiracy number four to five and ASM 23 to 24. Prowler number five because Gwen's in there. And then we're finishing things off with Clone Conspiracy Omega number one. Great stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, you know, as always, we'll put the links in the description of what to buy and where to read legally. And also Spider Gwen Go Spider's reading list. And we do do this as a book club. So if you have any thoughts or questions about the show, you can email us on ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at GS Groupies. We also have a coffee page if you want to help us pay for the Podbean subscription. Just chuck in a few bucks just to help us out. It would be very much appreciated. Yeah. Yes, please. That'd be nice. But anyway, thanks. thank you everybody for joining us today. Thanks for listening. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. And remember, with great power. comes great responsibility. Bye, everyone. Bye.